Hi, I'm Evan Hunsberger. And I'm Will Overman. And you're listening to Deep Cuts and Coffee. This week on Deep Cuts and Coffee, Will and I are really excited to invite our new friend, Cody Bolden, to the show. Cody is an accomplished singer-songwriter and entrepreneur based in Canton, Georgia. Raised between the great states of Alabama and Georgia, music was always a part of Cody's memories, from his mom singing folk songs while cooking breakfast, to his dad's radio always being dialed into the local outlaw country station. Although music was continuously present, Cody only recently decided to pick up a guitar and start making music of his own. Just a few years into his musical journey, Cody enjoys writing and performing songs about things that are important to him, allowing his parents' musical preferences to influence his sound. Please welcome to the show, Cody Bolden. Hey, I'm Cody Bolden, and you're listening to Deep Cuts and Coffee. Nailed it. Freaking nailed it. <laughs> the best one so far. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, we, we typically try and talk about, you know, how we met different folks and decided we're not yeah. to go to the wayside, because we... Uh, I think like we've got kind of a, I mean, they're all unique stories of how everybody meets on the road, but we definitely shared two uh, very contrasting shows together <laughs> at the, uh, on, on the brink of a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I mean, could it get any better? <laughs> right. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, to go from to go from like probably one of the most historic, I, I don't know, I, I guess Eddie's Attic is probably more historic, but Smith's Old Bar is, is still like a, a really well-known venue right? Um, to to then a, a place that's just a pull off of the highway right? Um, underneath some some gigantic uh, trees just north of Charleston uh, in that little town of Allendahl. I don't I don't know if you can even call it a town. I guess it's more of a hamlet, maybe. Um, you know, yeah, that was just to a, to a crowd that was, um, obviously very diverse. <laughs> sure. <laughs> With ba- baby time. goats. Yeah. Baby goats running <laughs> baby around. Goats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> baby goats. Y'all had like, y'all added a band member that night, I think, yeah. right? For just a little while. Rob well, Ward, both shout nights out. We, we added band, band members. Yeah. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Cause Atlanta, that was uh Nick Pirtle. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm talking about the other, the uh, unexpected and unwanted oh. band member uh, we had. <laughs> Dude, right. I forgot oh about gosh. that. <laughs> this guy comes out of nowhere. He's like, "Yeah, Virginia," and I'm like, "Oh, cool." And then, like, all of a sudden, it's just like, "Oh, nope, Ooh. nope, should not have engaged with you." Yeah. And you're drunk. Oh, you're on stage now. Great. Oh, awesome. Yep. And and Rob is is trying to you know kick him off. <laughs> Oh, well, there was man. some kind of like he knew the guitar player y'all had that night knew that like he already knew that guy was tr- yeah. <laughs> trouble because we were talking about him earlier, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember that. Oh man, Whew. yeah, good times. Uh, it, it honestly that was probably one of the coolest shows I've ever played. No, I really just being a party. Yeah, yeah I really en- I really enjoyed that. I hated that I couldn't hang out and uh, longer afterwards because I was I was enjoying that. Yeah. yeah. It was such yeah. a surreal experience to like because any show I feel like on that night with everything going down like it was would have been surreal, but to and then add like this like swamp party element to it, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was that's just exactly like, what it was. It was a swamp party. <laughs> it was like everybody kind of knew deep down they're like, "This is it, guys." Like, this is it. We're not going to party again for a while. Yeah. Party hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it was, it was it was very communal. Like, I mean, other than that one that one individual, I didn't feel like there was anybody. Uh, at that event who didn't like want to make you feel like family um you know and and again the fact that it's like that entire series is run by a dentist who just loves 
uh, live music, and I can't. I wish I could remember his name right now in the moment, but I, I can't. But um, uh, I mean, the fact that he runs that and he was, you know, running all around. I remember us showing up in the van, and he's like making pizzas for the the staff and the bands, and <laughs> yeah. and then runs over and is you know emceeing the night, and then is running back and you know talking to the ticket takers and all that kind of stuff. It was he's a he's a heck of an individual. Yeah, he was. He was, he was Eddie. great. Eddie, that's, Eddie. that's, that's right. Yeah. That's right, Eddie. Yeah, and it's not too yeah. often you pull up to a place like that. I mean, at least I, I know when I I pulled up, I was like, oh man, who the hell is going to come out of the woodwork for this? And they did. <laughs> they, they were. Did. They, yeah, they, they just came out lining up and coming <laughs> yeah. in. Oh man, I miss music. <laughs> you can say I, that again. I miss music. Um, well, Cody, this is typically a, a, a morning time recording for us. Typically, okay. as in we've done two of these so far. Um, so we're, we're drinking coffee. It is called deep cuts and coffee. So what's, what's your morning routine when it comes to that? Are you a coffee or a tea guy? No, definitely coffee. I do enjoy, uh, hot tea, but Lauren, uh, my wife, she likes to make the coffee. It's something, which is a good thing for me because, uh, I don't have to make it. And most of the time she gets up and I already, like she brings it to the bed before I get up. She gets up before wow. me. She's already made the coffee. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> But it's good because she she likes the routine of making it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the type of coffee drinker where I, I mean I like good coffee, but I also drink Folgers and you know it, gas station coffee. Yeah, I like okay. good coffee, but I'm not uh, prejudiced. I drink it all. <laughs> I like that. That's a good stance. I yeah. Think so I, I coffee in the morning, tea in the evening. I'll drink hot tea at night. Yeah. Is is there any? Because I'm a I'm a I grew up on tea more than coffee. So is there is there any particular tea that you drink more than another? When Lauren asks what kind of tea, I tell her I want regular tea, and she's like, "Well, that's not a thing." Regular <laughs> tea to me, I guess, would be like English breakfast or some sort of yeah. just like a breakfast mm-hmm. tea. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the more I play, the more I drink throat coat. You know? mm-hmm. yep. Dude, so. throat coat yeah. for the win. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. No I love when like I, I I break through with musicians and we start talking about our our like our drink routines. I'm like, cool. We just like <laughs> crack through a level of bonding there, right? So anyway, throat coat. I found this one because I don't. I I was drinking this really shit throat coat, or I mean, it just I don't know. It had like a licorice taste, which I think they all do. But mm, I found mm-hmm. some that was more of a lemon throat coat that I liked a lot mm. better. This most recent one I got. Yeah, I, uh, I I down honey religiously when I'm when I'm singing. I find that to be the really the most soothing okay thing on the road. Anything honey related, anything, and just, I just down water too. I drink yeah. so much water. Yeah, that's that's what I've noticed. So I'm still picking up tips and tricks, but uh, if I'm playing, I I I spend I piss all day long because all I do is drink water constantly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, drink a lot of water. I, I should I should probably do more honey. I tend to do whiskey as well, um, which is you know <laughs> that's my man. Yeah, it goes both ways. I mean, you get past the point of pain in your throat at, with whiskey, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. So, uh, I, I was about to say, have you? I've also heard that potato chips are uh, are are a thing, like specifically Lay's. 
Have you have you tried that yet? Oh no, that's the first I've heard of it. What is yeah. uh, what's the what is the content of a potato chip? I, that I, I don't know. I guess it's like the oils or something like that. It's supposed okay. to again. It's like a coating mechanism. But uh, yeah, I heard that from somebody who did a they did a session down in Nashville, and the uh, the producer um, who was singing you know BGVs on a track uh, was was down an entire bag of of Lay's classics before yeah. jumping in the jumping in the booth. <laughs> You know, I have I have noticed. Um, there's been times before I'm doing like a, a live show, and my throat is sore. It's bothering me, and in a break, I'll eat something. And eating mm-hmm. something, I don't know if it's just food on my throat or what, but it tends to make it feel better. You know, right? Know. It tends to be uh, greasy food too in situations like that. So maybe <laughs> that maybe there's some truth there. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I find the only thing I can't eat um, is dairy. I have cheese mm-hmm. or milk. I'm just I yeah. feel it's no good. awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Milk was a bad choice. Milk was a bad. <laughs> milk was always a bad choice. <laughs> and and yet the one thing you can almost always guarantee at a music venue that they're going to serve you is pizza, greasy yeah. pizza, greasy yeah. pizza. Yeah, like mop it up with uh with a paper towel and and go back and do it again. Greasy pizza. And they're yeah. always going to offer it like about. 45 seconds before you have to go play. <laughs> like, hey, here's your, here's your band food. Like, oh, yeah, here, here's your order. <laughs> cool. I wanted to shove this in my face before I sang songs. That's right. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, you know, now that we've kind of moved from, I guess, yeah, we've, we've basically talked about all the food and beverages that we need to, right? <laughs> um, so, like, I guess, are, what are you doing right now, like, in quarantine? Obviously, like, you've got an awesome pie shop that you and your wife run and, and I heard that you were about to open a second one, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of been, you know, we played our last show together in March, and I had only been booking about a month or so at a time, you know. Mm -hmm. So by now, two months into this, I don't have anything, but I kind of got to that point where at first, you know, I was like, okay, you know, this is just something that, you know, if they do put a hold on things, it's going to be a week or so, and that's, that's okay. We can handle that. And then we got back from that, and it was a lot more serious. So mm-hmm. um, for me, the goal this year was to take music full-time, like like right now. That's what I would be doing. Um, but honestly, Pie Bar, our pie shop, is where we, you know, that's, that's where we make a living. So I kind of just stopped everything I was doing musically and started working there. So um, fortunately, we're already a smaller space and we already serve everything to go. So it wasn't a big pivot for us to only offer to go or to only have, you know, a few people in the store to keep everybody socially distant. Um, the big thing was for us that we're a pie shop and pie is not a necessity, especially when people don't know when they're getting their next paycheck or, mm-hmm. or whatever that may be. So uh, we really kind of had to sit back and think, well, like pie is not a necessity, but, but food is, and we do have mm-hmm. a kitchen and we are a food service business, so how do we, you know, how do we pivot and put ourselves as, in a position to, to be a necessity right now? Right, right. So I I uh, I commented on on something at one point, and because I saw that you guys were making, um, uh, uh, oh, shoot, um, meat pies, and, yeah. Uh, whether you could ship that to Virginia, I, ha- I haven't placed my order yet, but I really <laughs> intend to. <laughs> so uh, shepherd's pie is that the one yeah. you were talking about? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, that, that was one really of the. Th- thank you. So that was one of the things. There's a big apartment complex right behind our shop, and uh, they bought. They wanted to do like a hundred meals for some of the people that lived in the apartment complex. Nice. Um, and we're like, okay, well, we'll because we we try to 
we have processes for everything. And right. as easy as it sounds to be like, oh, we'll just whip this up. We have to have recipes, and those recipes have to be able to be, you know, scaled up and scaled down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we made the shepherd's pies for them, and it worked out. So now we're selling them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So and it was all. Go ahead. No, no, no. Keep on going. Well, I was going to say it was, it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, this is something that there's a need for this right now mm-hmm. in these times. How do we keep doing that? <laughs> and your your flagships in Canton, right? Our, our flagship's in Woodstock, which okay. is the town just below Canton. So okay. um, I live in Canton, which is where I'm sitting right now, and eight miles south of here is Woodstock, and that's where our flagship location is. And then about a year and a half ago, we built out what we call our commissary kitchen, which is in Kennesaw, which is about six miles below Woodstock. Mm-hmm. And now we're building out our second retail location in Marietta, which is just below Kennesaw. So we're like ladder in nice. this thing down. Nice. <laughs> Going That's down, awesome. down to yeah. the coast. Yeah. So That's awesome. And all this was already in place before, you know, shit kind of hit the fan, um, which, you know, it, it hasn't necessarily stopped our plans. We've been fortunate enough that we've stayed busy through these times. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of worked to our advantage because we're doing construction right now and we wouldn't right. be open in that space anyway. So Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a uh, brand new cidery that's actually opening in Harrisonburg. Um, that they've they've been in that same process. That I think the only reason that they're again still able to keep going um, is the fact that first of all they don't they don't have any cider sitting in their in their uh, um, containment tanks, and uh, you know the second thing they've just been doing construction. So that's that's really great that you guys have you know you're able to operate the one business while still continuing to you know put the the resources and the funds into into building that second one out. That's great. Yeah. So. Uh, Woodstock, our flagship location, is will be five years this September. So um, there's a couple different ways to look at it. One would be like, wow, that's, that's a long time to open another space five years in, but we're to the point now where, like you like you just said, we're to the point now where we can do it and we already know what's in front of us. So essentially we took a hit um, building out a commissary kitchen because we built a kitchen that was way bigger than we needed for the location that we mm-hmm. were in, but we built that kitchen for the future Right. Um, so anyway, now we can open this store and then hopefully two or three more and still support it out of that same kitchen. Right. That's, man, that's awesome. So like, again, I've, I've been an entrepreneur in the past. Um, I think you and I talked about that maybe a little bit, um, you know, when we were hanging out, but, uh, um, how have you applied kind of that same sustainable growth mindset from, you know, this, this restaurant, or it's not a restaurant, it's a, you know, takeaway food service business to what you're doing in the music industry front kind of before all the coronavirus stuff hit? Yeah. um, Well, one thing is be nice. And I don't even think that has to be a business model. That's just part (laughs) of, you know, the thing is be nice, be on time, and do what you say you're going to do. So that's something that we've always tried to apply as a business and something that I've learned that that applies across the board. Uh, you don't have to be the best songwriter or sound the best, but if you get a show, get there when you're supposed to be there, do what you're supposed to do, you know, and, and, and just don't be a jerk. And right. uh, But that and then um, with, with fans and customers, they're the same. Um, same thing is be nice to them, but also appreciate the fact that they're there and supporting you and, you know, organically growing it. You know, something right. that we f- focus on a lot with um, our shop is, you know, social media is great, but mm-hmm. there could come a time where those platforms just go away. 
And if mm-hmm. you spend all your time, effort, and money building these social platforms, what do you do when they're just gone? Right. Um, so something we've been working on lately is uh, working up our mailing list. I haven't really applied it to music yet, but mm-hmm. our mailing list, if those, if those social media outlets go away, we still have this connection. So we've right. kind of got this whole campaign built. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of apply that to as I'm doing more. It's, it's, it's tougher on an acoustic show, but for a full band show, is uh, I want people to come out to a show and know that they came to a live show. So mm-hmm. to me, it's it's a lot more than than being a face on a video in front of somebody that sounds good. Like I want somebody to come out and be entertained or in, enjoy a show. Right. Yeah. Um, so just like that, because people that come out and enjoy a show tell their friends, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think all of all of this has had this really, for lack of a better word, just cool like stepping back effect where whether people are learning how to make sourdough bread or getting back into the garden or thinking about, you know, going hunting again or promoting themselves in a more organic way. I mean, from the the homesteading aspect and self-reliance aspect of what coronavirus has caused, it's, it's changed everything in the digital world too. Um, Right. right. I mean, I, like you're saying the newsletter, I mean, Evan and I, we, we put a lot of stock into that. You know, I've got, 600 people that might never look at Instagram, but I'm contacting them yep. in, 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 in some way that I know they're going to connect to. And then, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think like not to ramble, but in 2020, it's easy to forget how much, especially nowadays, how much like a handshake and a real conversation can mean after a show or something and how, how fruitful that can be down the line. Right. It's exactly right. And, you know, I, I think what's neat too, from uh, like a number standpoint, and I don't know how y'all are, doing your mailing list, but you can get uh, instant feedback on on how that message, you know, f- like us, we use MailChimp, so we know how many right. times it's been opened, we know what the percentage is, we know if that person went to our page and bought mm-hmm. something, uh, we know if they respond to it, as a matter of, like Lauren puts on the bottom of the email, I'm Lauren, I'm the one who write these emails, please right. respond if, if, if you would like to respond to this email, mm-hmm. but, but we don't just do that to say we're doing that like when someone responds we take the time and effort to uh, understand what they're saying Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and and treat them like a person exactly Um, and i think that's that's the biggest thing where that applies across um when we first opened our business people said that we were like we were very old school in the way we did business and to me that was strange because it's not what what was funny they they said we were old school but very forward thinking and progressive (laughs) in the way we did business we're like (laughs) we're not doing anything that is groundbreaking or not, right. you know, we're just, mm-hmm. if this is what we say we're going to do, we honor that. And if you're not satisfied right. with something, we want to make it right. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's super important. And, and honestly, like, I think, I think I would agree uh, with those people who, who say that like you have a very uh, just with your music stuff specifically. Um, I think that you have a very like uh, old school vibe about you, if you will. But again, the, the approach that you're taking just seems so, seems so fresh um, just because like uh, your branding, for instance, um, that's something that Will and I actually were talking about before, before we jumped on to do this, this uh, episode. And um, we're just, just drinking up your branding with, with right. every, every image, every, you know, piece of uh, merchandise and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you've just done again, a fantastic job Thank in, you. in Thank branding you. yourself. Like, accurately honestly right um there there really aren't that many people 
uh, I think that do that like you've done it. Well, and I think it's important, and I don't mean to downplay any of the social stuff because I think it's very important in the way that we are able, like we are, our, our generation is in such a way that our music can get out there to anyone. Anyone can be exposed to our music if you do it properly. So right. I guess I guess what I do mean is I don't necessarily count, you know, count the likes I'm getting. I, I want them. I mean, I want the dopamine <laughs> just like everyone else does, yeah. right? But I also yeah. understand that someone's first impression of me may be that they go to my Instagram page, which leads them to my website. That could mm-hmm. be not that I met somebody. I, you know, if I if I met a mountain public, that's one thing. But a lot of these, a lot of people, a lot of fans, maybe maybe a record label that's looking for something or heard me somewhere. This is what they get when they come to look for me, and I want that to be, you know, like you said, what I feel like is an expression of myself. Yeah, and and I want it to look. <laughs> maybe like I'm a lot bigger than I am, you know, because <laughs> that's, you know, that's, so that is very important to me, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm big into aesthetic as well when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's, but it's not, it's not for you. I think the thing that impressed me so much, like when I met you in person was the fact that it's not fake. Like it's not, it's not mm-hmm. aesthetic for aesthetics, like reason or, or just cause you, you like the way it looks, but it's, it's authentically you. Um, like, uh, you know, I, I think one of the most uh, endearing parts of it is, is, again, you were talking about, you know, just being nice to people. And like, I had that same experience with you talking via messenger, setting you up as as the opener for the show with Will in Atlanta. And then, you know, you coming back and asking about the show in Allendale. And then to, to talk with you at both of those shows, like I walked away going, man, Cody's just like a super nice dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, thank you. I appreciate that. And I mean, and I guess too, it comes all of that, like the, and I think where I'm going to say kids are not, I mean, their kids are the people the same age as I am. I think it's very <laughs> easy to see in the digital age, you see somebody that's an overnight success story, but it, mm-hmm. you know, as you've heard everybody say, it's the, the quickest 10 year overnight success story you ever heard. I mean, all yeah. of that, <laughs> everything is hard work. And, and exactly. just like that, even, even that is you make your own luck and you make your own opportunities. You have to put yourself in a position to win, if you will. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and all, you know, that's part of it. Plus, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, is my is my dog messing you guys up? Because he's throwing a fit back here. <laughs> oh, I thought, it was, I thought it was one of Cody's dogs, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's... I've only got the one and I got him on the other side of the door. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> that's Telly Boy. He's not happy yeah. right now. Um, well, Cody, I know you mentioned you 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 find aesthetics important, um, and that's pretty obvious looking at all of your branding. But I'm also looking at the Pi Bar website, and you guys have it down. How how have you guys? A, I think it's really cool you and your wife work together and do yeah. and, and dreamscape all of this together. How have you guys collaborated and kind of joined the brand, but also made it different at the same time? What do you mean by joined and made it different? Join. I mean, it, it's it's. I definitely see some crossover aesthetically yeah. between your brand, particularly your website, um, and the Pi Bar. But I got but you. N- not overtly, just because I I know you work there, and I'm looking at the website. Oh but. yeah, yeah. They are similar because I did them both. <laughs> there we go. Nice. <laughs> but uh, nice. for me, uh, even so, Pi Bar has a decent following. But I try like we. And people know who I am in Woodstock and Canton because of that. I mean, I've we've been mm-hmm. there for five years. I worked the counter for the first year we were open, so people saw mm-hmm. me, and I've had this beard for that amount of time. So I'm <laughs> like, there's no getting away with who I am. But I've been very conscious 
Um, and Lauren is very conscious too, where if she does do anything to mention my music or me, it's very discreetly. There is never mm-hmm. like a, a heavy, like you would never see a pie bar post, like a physical post of me right. with music. You might see it snuck in a story somewhere barely. Because mm-hmm. that's really important to me um, that I do this and I grow it because of me, not because of something else. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. important because my music is a totally separate deal and I definitely don't want it to piggyback in any way anything that I'm doing this way I want to make sure that it's something that that people saw me for me and for what I am right yeah um but honestly uh they are similar because like I said I'm the one who did them both and I just like the way that style looks but they're Mm -hmm. very uh I, I like black and white black and white is very clean I like the contrast of black and white and um pie bar has always been a very um traditional type of thing pie is very traditional it's it's you know like one of america's first desserts so mm-hmm. we've tried to keep that in mind as we've grown because um, it's very easy to stray away from that but once you mm-hmm. you know once we kind of same thing with my music is once we kind of key in on um a branding you try and stay within those assets so same thing with pie bar we actually um had a little branding refresh about about a year ago because we were getting ready to start opening more locations and we wanted something that was a little um, more diverse to use across a couple of platforms. Um, but that I'm the one who you know I'm the one who put them both together, so that's why they look similar. Dude, you got to get that hat up on your March store because I wear that hat about every single day. <laughs> I, if that hat didn't have my name on it, I would wear it. I love that hat too. <laughs> I kid you not. Evan and I are talking about getting a run of those for the old yes. Will, Will Overman store. You should. Well, I would. I'd be more than happy to to send you exactly where I got it with the part number and everything. Perfect. <laughs> uh, Cody, kind of a, kind of a general question and yeah. probably a hard one to answer, but like I said, I find it really cool that you and your wife work so closely together um what's that like and and have you guys have there been learning lessons over the years with combining you know i guess in a a simple way of saying it you know business with your relationship yeah right so um we got married at 23 and we opened our pie shop at 25 so we've been married for two years when we opened uh, we started dating at 16, so we'd been together long. You know, we knew each other. Dang. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. That's right. awesome. Yeah. So, um, but it is it, a super challenge. I mean, it's, it is very, very challenging uh, on multiple levels. It's challenging to be a married couple and worried about business stuff, and it's challenging to be a business partner and worried about married stuff. Yeah. Um, right. But I mean, it gives you an incredible advantage that you wouldn't get otherwise because there's things that i would share with her and she would share with me that you wouldn't necessarily share with somebody that's just your you know that you probably wouldn't tell evan or evan wouldn't tell you well i mean there's (laughs) things that you know what i mean oh yeah um so it's it's tough because things that you do at work affect what you do personally at home too right um but like i said it gives you that gives you that advantage and i think one thing we learned and and it's still tough to do, but one thing that we've learned is try and uh, highlight what each other does well and then stay out of each other's way. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to... I've never been the baker, and I'm not going to be a baker, so I would not go in the kitchen and say, nah, there's way too much sugar there or flour. That's mm-hmm. not that's not within my realm of things. 
So that's been very important is assigning roles and staying within those roles and, you know, going from there. Yeah, it, no, that... it, it's it's certainly a, um, it takes work just like anything else. Mm-hmm. Is, is there yeah. is there a parallel between you know music? I, I've over the years I've, I've come to discover that only about ten percent of the entire process is the actual song, and that ten percent right. needs to be about as solid as that ten percent can be. Because I'm a true believer in the you know the quality of the song matters most, but there's also so much more that goes on to keep the machine going. Is is there a similarity there with running the pie shop? You yeah, know, absolutely. The, 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 the pie versus everything that goes on, you know, back of house, so to speak. Yeah, so uh, I would say it's a similar situation. I mean, yes and no. So the quality of the product is always number one, but one thing that we sell more than the quality of the product is customer service, and that's the super parallel for me between music and, and business in that terms, in terms of uh, the quality has to be great. There's never any question there, but... Mm-hmm. You know, Lauren and I, um, the January of 2016, so it was just a few months after we opened our shop, we took our first piecation, um, which is what, you know, we closed for two weeks into January because we'd been open for like four or five months and um, there was nobody there. So we had to physically close the shop while we took mm-hmm. a, some time off. And on our first piecation, um, we had started following other pie shops along the way on Instagram, you know, and, you know, just like you do in music, you find other people that you like and you follow their journey. And, uh, we was like, okay, well, we're going to do this. We're going to take a trip because, um, we know how our pie tastes and we know how we present it. But outside of like our own families, we didn't really know much about the industry. I mean, Lauren worked at Outback as a hostess in high school for a few months. Huh. That, that was our culinary background going into opening a pie shop. Um, so in January of 16, we went to Nashville, went from Nashville to Chicago, Chicago over to Denver, Denver to Austin, uh, Austin to New Orleans, and then like back around through South Alabama and up through Georgia, and ate more pie than anybody should ever eat <laughs> pie. But we learned so much. We learned so much on that trip because... Uh, Lauren reached out to all the pie shops and like half the owners were receptive to us coming in and hanging out and talking to them and and showing us their kitchen and letting us see what they did and how they do it and some of them didn't but the biggest thing we took away was out of all of the pie shops we went in is if we went into a one shop that had a great pie but it was just cold and we were uncomfortable it was a mediocre experience so if the Hmm. quality of the product was great but the experience was average. The whole, ex- the, everything was average. But if we right. went in somewhere and the experience was quality and the pie was okay, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. So we come, we came back from that knowing that we already had good pie. But something that's the only thing that's really going to set us apart from that is our our service. So um, customer service is our top priority. And I know that sounds cliche and dumb, but it is. I mean, it's the absolute truth. And um, you don't make it into our store taking two steps before somebody greets you and asks how you're doing and have you been here before and what would you like? Because um, that's why people come back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you still love pie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's important. Yeah, it is. And I don't eat it. I mean, I eat it maybe twice a month, but Lauren eats it daily. <laughs> um, we got to as the baker, right? You've got to yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I learned control. a lot. It's it's the truth and honestly I've uh 
my approach to playing music, at least from the, because music, I mean, you are a small business owner. That's exactly Absolutely. what being a, that's what, being a musician that wants to sell anything, at least that's what you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's taught me a lot and it's given me a, a good approach to how I handle the way I play music and, and try and market myself. Well, speaking of that, um, I know we've talked a lot about the, the pie bar, but what are you what are you doing musically right now? Are you finding that you feel like you've got a little more time to create? Are you feeling like you're not thinking about music at all? Like, like kind of where's your head at right now with no shows to play? Yeah, um, I haven't had necessarily any more time because we've stayed at work just just like normal. I've definitely felt uh, uninspired to write anything. Um, so I haven't been able to, to write much, but just before, um, we went into lockdown, I bought a electric guitar. So I, I bought a Telecaster nice. and a little blues junior amp. And, uh, so really that's what I've been focusing on because I wanted, like I was talking to you about earlier with, with the live shows, I'm still learning how to put on a good live show. And part of that mm-hmm. is being able to play an instrument more than just strumming it up and down. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I play with a drummer a bunch, quite a bit, um, and I wanted to be able to put on a good three, um, like a three-piece show, which, you know, with a bass player, a drummer, and just me, and I wanted to be able to put on the type of show, because, I mean, I my music uh, fits in well with, like, the late-night bar crowd, and I wanted to be able to play to that crowd some. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, I've been working on that. I've been practicing electric guitar nightly. Yeah. Awesome. I, uh, I I keep trying to do the same thing. I've been trying to learn how to actually play guitar for right. uh, like like eight <laughs> years now. Yeah. Um, so I'll let you know when I figure it out. But now, yeah. now I've got a piano now, too, to distract me. So I'm, yes. I'm, I'm helpless. <laughs> I'm just going to like yeah. kind of know a, a couple of instruments. Yeah, that's yeah. really the goal, right? I mean, as long as you can <laughs> trick somebody into thinking that yeah. you know what you're doing, perception is reality. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean... <laughs> I'm a drummer who was raised on raised on piano for you know three years, and now I've got uh, you know a keyboard back in my in my office space, and I'm learning the ins and outs of you know recording via Logic, thanks to Will, and uh, like trying to produce music, whatever that means. <laughs> nice, nice. It's whatever you want it to mean. In this yeah, day that's and age. right. I mean, yeah. I think is if you started with nothing and you ended with, with something, then you produced something. <laughs> Agreed. Right? I mean, that's a, that's that. a great rule of thumb. <laughs> so, oh. no, the same way with me. And I, when I first started playing acoustic guitar, um, I never had any want to play electric. But the more I played and the more mm-hmm. I started doing shows, the more I wanted right. to be able to put on that kind of show. Yeah. Um, and same thing with me. We have a piano sitting in our living room that neither one of us know how to play. Um, so one of these days, I'd like to learn it as well. Man, they, they do look good. Yes. They look great in your house. That's really what matters. Yeah, conversation piece. Free. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. will too, except for the window and the fan. Hey, I, I had a buddy of mine call me, and he was like, hey, I've got a line on a, a free piano somebody's trying to get rid of. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, I want it. And he's like, I will forewarn you, there is no such thing as a free piano. I'm like, man, <laughs> it's great. I got a tour van. I'll drive it over there. Man, I will never move a piano again in my entire life. <laughs> Not only did it probably take a few years off my life, it also fell over my van, shattered my back window, and cost me $500 to replace. Jeez. So it cost about 500 bucks, which I'll still take. 
There are, yeah, no, it, the all of the jokes about how heavy pianos are are true. I mean, <laughs> true. I, yep. this one is a bald one. I think it's, uh, I guess, would be considered an upright. But I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it has to be every bit of four to six hundred pounds. Oh, and yeah. It was just me and my brother-in-law, and we put it in the back oh. of his truck, and you know, yeah, and we. And of course, uh, my wife didn't like it where it was the first time. Mm, of course not. Of course not. No. no. So, and all the weights on one side too. So there's no easy oh, way to carry yeah. a piano. Yeah. 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 It had to be on the side I was carrying. I mean, that's my story. <laughs> so, so how many how many days did you spend icing your arms and legs after that? My back, man. My back. <laughs> We're getting yeah. old, y'all. Long. I bitched long enough to let her know, like it's not moving again. <laughs> well, I'm see, not moving it again anyway. Yeah, yeah. At least you are. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna pay somebody to do that. That's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if I was a little bit bigger and bulkier, you know, I'd I'd offer you to to pay me a couple hundred bucks to move it for you. But you know, I probably couldn't nudge the thing even if I tried my hardest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and we live in an old house, so Canton is um, it was a mill town. It kind of grew up around mm-hmm. uh, cotton mills, and we live in what they consider to be a mill house. So it it was built in the twenties. And uh, it's just a very, like, there's no frills, but it, it has hardwood floors and it has hardwood ceilings that are, like, 10-foot-tall mm-hmm. hardwood ceilings. Nice. Um, but, like I said, there's no frills. It was just, at one time, it was just four rooms, and then they added a kitchen and another bedroom and that kind of stuff. But I'm waiting to come home one day, and that piano is going to be sitting, like, in the crawl space. It's going <laughs> to fall through the floor. <laughs> so, Straight through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, so, well, I'm really... Had to I'm have really- it. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm really curious. Is so you guys? You said you have a crawl space. So like, is it just a dirt found like a dirt foundation underneath the house then, or, or do you have a slab or, or what do you have? Yeah, no slab. It's just a dirt foundation, and then it's got. Um, so the house has two chimneys in it, um, two fireplaces, and they both at one time worked from either side. So wow, um, with it being four rooms and two fireplaces, basically it was a way to heat all four of those rooms. Nice. Um, over the years, things have been closed in. They don't function anymore, but it's still mm-hmm. got the old bricks. I mean, all the the wood in the attic is like a very rough cut old Ugh. wood. I mean, it's a really yeah. neat. It's a really neat house. And what's neat now is so all that industry went away in like the '60s and '70s. Um, some people left, and all these houses mm-hmm. got started getting rented because they were big houses, and people would turn them into duplexes. Kind of like in a college town, they start right. walling mm-hmm. yeah. everything off. Very familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but now it's kind of on that gentrification side where mm-hmm. people are coming yeah. in and they're buying the houses and they're starting to renovate them. Um, and then the big mill, they've um, been renovating and now we have a brewery in there and they're putting cool. in like co working spaces. And yeah, so it's a really neat area. Dude, if you don't put a brewery in a mill, industrial space, then what are you doing? Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. What like, are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell how many, how many like renovated mill breweries i've played in my in my career oh yeah yeah it's quite a few yeah. and they're not slowing down and and, and i don't know how it is where y'all are but um georgia for the longest time was pretty behind in terms of alcohol i mean even we still are now really but yeah i mean yeah and i don't know if do y'all have sunday alcohol sales yeah mm-hmm. yep yep so we didn't for a while and then it moved to where we did but not until after twelve thirty, mm-hmm. and it was like you know an act of religion to get it moved up to 1130. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a big thing, like a game changer for breweries here about a year and a half ago, um, they were able to start selling like they were a bar, you know, before mm-hmm. when you went to a brewery, you had to, 
uh, take a tour. So right. you would go and pay $10, mm-hmm. and they'd give you a souvenir glass, and you would get, like, you know, six pours of beer while you were there. Right. Mm-hmm. But now you go, and, and it's like a bar, and it's huge mm-hmm. because, you know, where you would have gone before and spent three hours there and only spent $10 unless you bought something from the gift shop, now you're paying $6 a beer. You're still spending three hours there, but you're probably also buying three beers. Right. So right. they've kind of just really exploded. We have a really good one here. It's called Reformation. Uh, and the, we they've been a big part of our story. We started selling. That was one of the first places we sold pie. We sold it there on oh, cool. like Friday nights. We brought a tent and sold it in there. Nice. Lot. And they've got a spot in downtown Woodstock, and they also have a spot in downtown Canton as well. So Cool. Well, sounds like another place that we got to hit the next time we're yes, in Yes, absolutely. I'm so game. Yeah. Um, well, well, Cody, I... Uh, Dude, I, I love your voice, man. There's, there's Thank you. Tom, not only timelessness is in your aesthetic, but it's definitely in your in your sound as well. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I hear like Jamie Johnson, Buck Owens, Merle, Johnny Paycheck. Like, are any of those guys in your list of inspirations? And if not, like, where like what inspires you? <laughs> yeah, all of them. Uh, early for me, so. Uh, my mom and dad are both music fans. My mom is uh, really, she, she's a hippie, so she's really into, like, the folksy scene. Like Interesting. The, the soundtrack from Over Other Art Thou, she has worn a hole in that CD <laughs> and that record. I mean, I, she knows that thing cover to cover. Right, right. But it's, this, a good, it's a good track. Yeah. It is a great soundtrack. So, anyway, that's, she always, my mom and dad split up when I was a kid, but there was always music when I was at either one of those houses. They didn't play it, but... Uh, like they didn't physically play an instrument, but they were always had a radio on and were singing to it. Um, so my mom always listened to that kind of indie folksy stuff, which now she's into like Sarah Jarosz and people like nice. that. So that's kind of her scene. Whereas my dad, um, big time into Hank Williams Jr., mm. uh, David Allen Coe, Leonard Skinner, Southern, you know, that kind of 70s country. So I think that's where. I really dug in. Um, mm-hmm. But with that was Jamie Johnson. So, like, my coming of age was probably Jamie Johnson. Okay. And, uh, you know, In Color. And then there's his, I forget what the name of that album was. It was like half black, half white. It was kind of like a yin yang album he put out. Um, Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, uh, so anyway, Jamie Johnson was coming of age for me. And then I didn't really like, I don't, I love, like, Leonard Skinner's probably my all time favorite band. Okay. But I always love Hank Williams Jr., mm-hmm. Charlie Daniels Band, Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, George Jones especially. Um, but it wasn't until I started playing that I kind of like deep started deep diving into all of those guys. And guys like Buck Owens, um, I knew who Buck Owens was, but to me he was more of a cartoon character of a country musician <laughs> until I like until I learned more. What I knew about Buck Owens was. Uh, remember the Titans, you know, where he's, yeah, they're going to take me to, the, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you know whatever, yep. when he's playing that little part, I'm like, that's what I think of, which was what I think a lot of people think of Buck Owens and like how he was on Hee Haw with his overalls mm-hmm. on backwards right. and that kind of stuff. Um, but since then I've, I've like been digging into those guys. So I actually, I just finished Buck Owens, um, uh, autobiography called Buckham. Um, okay. Oh, I don't nice. know if, I, I don't know if that. you ever, yeah. So I have a hard time getting into books, but for some reason, those I can get into. But uh, mm-hmm. it's just called Buckham, and it's it's funny. It's a weird one. It's his autobiography, but he wasn't alive when it was written, but he recorded everything on tapes. 
Um, oh, cool. Kind of like, you know, on Mad Men, you know, they had the little yeah. voice recordings. Yep. Yeah. So he had he had all that stuff, and the guy wrote his book based off of those recordings. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So Man. It, anyway, it was neat. Um, it was it was good, and I have a lot of respect for Buck Owens, and I don't think of him the same way as I used to. <laughs> right. I, so, I love like, that that... Go ahead, Evan. Take it away. Uh, I, was, I was just about to say, like... It's again. It's so cool that you you just basically traced your musical lineage for us. Like I think in in probably the most beautiful way yet that we've had on the podcast. In that like you you talked about what your parents listened to, so what you were introduced to at a very young age, and like what you're digging into right now, which is like all of their like older stuff, the stuff right. that they started on, which then shows um, kind of like their influences which are you know the early uh spaghetti western uh you know kind of um i guess what people would would think of when they they think about the uh um the dance hall kind of country music which is super cool yeah yeah and i think too that's probably why i've become so interested in the electric guitar too is because guys like that like like buck owens when he was when he was first hitting it um, he would record sessions at Capitol during the day. He started out as a guitar session guy. So wow. he would record during the day at uh, Capitol, and then he would play at the blackboard for like six hours at night. So, I mean, <laughs> it was just constant. Like, that's all. He just played hours on hours on right. hours. And that he played guitar, and then it wasn't until, like, the lead singer left uh, for a better job that they put Buck Owens as a front man. That, that's hmm. when he started singing, and the, he sings the way he sings because the music was so loud and he plays the way, you know, like it's just <laughs> neat to see like their sound is shaped out of the situation they were put into. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was also neat and kind of something I've learned along the way and something that we talked about when I first met y'all at Smith's that night is all of these guys, there is the, the common thread. So uh, like I've read Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard and George Jones, all these guys, they're, biographies but the the common thread is they always kept playing they didn't right. they, they weren't sitting at home waiting on their opportunity they right. they went out there and they made mm-hmm. their own opportunities and it's from just digging in and doing it mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah, I was, I, sorry that, go ahead will no i, I was going to kind of speak for for both of us i think that's where evan and i we have a lot of our discussions on, you know, how to quote unquote make it, especially in Americana and, you know, what, what Americana has become in 2020. And it's, you know, all these bands that I respect, like his gold messenger, they'll be the first people to say like, it's not necessarily about having the best music. It's always about trying to create the best music, but we've all seen those bands that are just immensely talented, Mm -hmm. just absurdly talented artists who don't, who don't dig in like you're saying, Cody, and don't have the, uh, the grit to outlast everybody and that's that's like i'm i'm pretty convinced that's what it's all about it's about Mm -hmm. continuously putting out good content and running your business well and and being okay with this is not going to be an overnight sensation it's going to be a long scrap towards you know the top whatever the top is yeah yeah Yeah, and i don't i don't know that you even know where the top is and hope for for me that I don't find it, you know, that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's every entrepreneur. We, we hope we never find the time right. because if, if we do, then, well, dang, I just, <laughs> I wasted all my time to get here. Right. Yeah. I, I, I did like this one thing. The, um, the Avid brothers said, 
Um, and I don't know if it was a documentary or just one of the bajillion videos I've watched of them. But um, they were saying earlier on in their career, and I'm assuming still now, they always like defined their own level of success, which I think is such an important thing to think about music because you're constantly comparing yourself to the Joneses. You mm-hmm. know, like you're never – like there shouldn't be a top because we're always going to be hungry. And like right. you're saying, you yeah. don't want to find that because you don't want to plateau. But there's also something to be said about justifying – yourself and being happy in that because we work our asses off absolutely yeah it's true and i'm definitely not someone who's driven in terms of i'm miserable if i don't think i'm where i should be in terms like i don't set i'm always reaching for something but i'm not i'm not the one who who takes it out on myself if i'm not you know what i mean i'm disappointed if i don't if i'm not where i think i am Mm mm-hmm but I'm not moping around about it because there's nobody <laughs> that can change that but me. Exactly. You know, if I'm not where I want to be, that just means I need to do something differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I, I've, Cody, I've got a really similar mindset to you. And, um, I mean, I, I hope that, uh, you know, you don't experience the same failures that, that I have as a as an entrepreneur and as a businessman. But, you know, I mean, obviously, everybody's got their, got their own story of, mistakes that they've made and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I, re- I really resonate with the fact that, um, you know, it's, it's important to, to, uh, look at the future and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make the best out of this that I possibly can. And, um, you know, I'm just, honestly, we're just all one element of a greater picture that we can't always completely wrap our, our minds around what other people are doing, what other people are thinking, how people are going to respond to what we're doing. So, I mean, ultimately, yeah, like it is, it is our, our duty, quote unquote, to ourselves to work as hard as we possibly can. And, and, uh, but also keep, um, an open mindset about, like you were just saying about, uh, about the results that we can garner. Right. Well, and I, I try and be very conscious of uh, not comparing myself to someone else's success or not success, because um, mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a tough thing in the way we live right now. Because what we see in front of us is the best part of everyone else, you know, mm-hmm. and what everyone else is doing well, uh, and we compare that to what we're not doing well. And for me too, um, like going out and playing, I don't know. I've never. I don't get nervous in my mind I don't get nervous because if I'm when I go out and play if it's just me playing to one person or myself or playing to people sitting in front of me I'm still playing the same song and to me as long as I'm still getting that same feeling out of that song that's what translate you know that's Mm -hmm. what translates out so I am doing it for me you know I'm definitely not (laughs) (laughs) doing it to pleasing other people is a benefit you know to this we want that we want Mm -hmm. to garner you know we all want to be able to make money doing this so we can do more of it yeah but the truth Mm -hmm. is that i'm doing it because it's what i want to be doing right how do you go about that in your writing because i know some people write with the audience in mind some people write completely for themselves i think i'm (laughs) somewhere i think i'm like a a 90 10 where 90 percent of it's you know, g- genuine and from myself and what I need to get out. And, but 10%, I do consider, you know, kind of what I'm writing towards, whether it be, a, you know, within a, an album uh, concept or an album theme or a type of sound I'm after um, or just something I want to, if I want to bring a certain emotion to people, I do consider that. How do you, how do you go about thinking about others in your writing? 
So I, I don't know if it's because I haven't been writing long enough for that, but I don't think I've written a song uh, yet that's been uh, with anything in mind other than what just kind of came out at the time. I mm-hmm. certainly haven't um, written one for an album or anything yet. I've, so the only music I've put out so far is an EP, and that was just uh, like a, a few handpicked songs of what what I had already written. So it wasn't necessarily written for that album. It was just pulled from kind of like my catalog. Yeah. Um, and nothing has been written that's like, I want to convey this message because it's going to relate with this. It just kind of is something that came out at a time. And I go through phases where sometimes they're sad and slow and they're murder songs to now they're all upbeat. And, you know, they're Mm -hmm. ones that you would want to dance to. And, um, I, I think that'll probably, come with age but i'm also it's probably good and bad but i've never forced anything it's like i don't i don't have a writing routine i don't sit down every morning and write i would like to get better at doing something like that but Mm -hmm. i usually only writing happens for me a lot of times when i'm riding in my truck because i'll the Mm. uh, the the hook of the song will come to me in that that line whatever it is uh, yonder way this yonder way that it starts there in the truck and then I'll jot that down, and then I'll revisit it later. And, you know, some songs take two hours, and some songs take a year and a half, you know. Um, so I would say 100% for me at this point in the game, though. You know, I haven't really been put in a position where um, I'm, like, signed with a label or anything, and I have to put something out, and I have to make, you know, mm-hmm. I have to make this fit this bill or whatever the theme of the album may be. So... I think it's been fortunate in that way because it hasn't forced me to do something that that I don't want to do, but it's been unfortunate because I haven't been pushed outside of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a journey. I mean, I've, I've been writing since I was 16, 17, 26 now, so I guess about a decade. And I, it's, I learn so much with every day, um, and I and I, I get stoked on that. I, I love when I discover passions in my life, and I discovered this one a long time ago. But, but things that are going to continuously evolve with me throughout my life, and writing is definitely that. Like I think as soon as you mm-hmm. think you're you're on to something or you've got to figure it out, everything changes, and you realize you're just writing in the same rut you've been writing in. No, it's true, and that's I mean I, that's what gets me so excited about music. It's the first thing I've done in life for me that it feels like it's something I could do for the rest of my life, you know, forever, Mm -hmm. because you don't, I don't think you master it. I think you, you learn new techniques. And when you've learned that technique, there's something else that you can still learn, or there's another instrument that you can play, or there's something else that you can write about. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you just, and I know you can do that in other things too, but like music is so wide, you know, it just kind of never really stops. And then really Mm -hmm. it's only how it's interpreted after that. So (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, we were we were just talking um, on the last episode about how subjective that like genre is, and I mean ultimately, like I mean, music in and of itself is again so subjective in in our approach of you know what's quote unquote good, what's what's bad. I mean, yeah, like there are there are um, you know I will call them rough guidelines to what can make uh, the foundation of a song or the foundation of an idea. Um, great or maybe you know not as applicable to uh, a large audience but um, I mean yeah just music in and of itself is it it truly does come from one person's soul 
and if if other people like what they see then they latch onto it and if they don't then they don't right right well and kind of going back to what you were talking about with writing music well something i have been trying to get better at is i feel comfortable with how i write lyrically like i, I study the words that you know i i mull mm-hmm. over them i write it down and I say it, and if it doesn't quite fit together, I want it to, I change that. But one of the things I've really been working on is how do I convey that through the music as well? So how does mm-hmm. the message mm-hmm. and the music meet? How do I make that How do I make that moment that when when your best friend just died in the song, that the music matches that? So so everything comes together and you feel that. Because I've, I've noticed I, had a tenden- I have a tendency playing, especially playing live, is just like, be you know what i mean like mm-hmm. just blurt it out like everything's yeah, right. loud everything's fast and right. how do i kind of like make that emotion match yeah so that's mm-hmm. something i've definitely been working on is how do i make the music match what i'm saying in the song yeah um more than just you know melodically yeah that that um cohesiveness with music i think is is telling of of like the great artists the great albums the great works and then I think what's even more telling of an even better artist is when they intentionally have, you know, let's say sad as hell lyrics and it's a super happy melody. Like the Smiths will do that a lot. And I think right. I think that's like next level when you're like, okay, I, I've mastered the whole, I'm making the music sound happy and the lyrics, lyrical content's happy. Let's, let's switch right. that and make people actually really use their brains. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm there yet. it's all right there's time there's exactly yeah for sure um hey well let's um we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some deep cuts um yeah and and i did some research on the jamie johnson album i think the album you're talking about is the guitar song that sounds right okay um are there any tracks on an album that were super formative to you or not (laughs) um that you might call deep cuts and didn't Make uh make the exposure you th- you think they would or should have. Yeah, I'm trying to think I, if it's off of that album. There's a um, do you have the song list in front of you off that album? Is Ray Ray's Juke Joint on there? I do. Let's see here. So many songs, like impressive amount of <laughs> yeah, songs. Yeah, it's a it's a big. It's a 24 song record. Um, there is uh there's a few, and I'll I'll give you a few Jamie Johnson's what I would consider deep cut. Um, Ray Ray's Juke Joint is one of them. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of that song. Um, it's about standing on a mountain. It's a really slow song. It may be on that one. Uh, and there is, I'm going to look up this album real quick because I'm getting a mix between. So Ray Ray's is off the dollar. Okay. So that was a, that was a really good one for me. Like that one is a very visual song. He explains it and like. I can I relate to that one. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. God, I'm so excited to go back and and listen to all these songs I've been getting lately. Yeah. But there's one. Um, I think it is on that album, but it's a lot slower song. I've been deep diving into um, the Brothers Osborne in the past like 48 yeah. hours, and yeah. they are. Definitely inspired by Jamie Johnson. Yes, and talk about yeah. guitar. They're great. That, that's, oh. they're, they 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 have great music. They yeah. kill it. Uh, oh my gosh! 
I'm Rednecks out of me. Out. All right, so and it is so. This isn't the album I was talking about, but uh, Rednecks out of me is on there. Okay, and then Lead Me Home is the slow song. Lead Me Home had a profound impact on me. It's just the uh, what's what I love about Jamie Johnson is uh, he, so he's from Alabama and he's just like country as cornbread. But I saw this <laughs> I saw this picture of him the other day. Uh, or six months ago, I think he puts his show on in Montgomery every year, and it's like a fundraiser show. And I have a sc- <laughs> I have a screenshot of this photo because it's everything that I would ever want to be. But um, it was just him pulling up to his show in like a it was like a '97 uh, Chevrolet Z71. You know, it was just yeah. like one that your uncle would have though. But it wasn't yep. like like it had big tires on it, but it was kind of beat to shit. There was like a dent in the door. <laughs> And, you know, he just, he pulled up to a show. He wasn't in a bus. He didn't have all these people with mm-hmm. him. There was no entourage. He pulled into the parking lot like everybody else yep. in this truck that you would, you know, like he could be driving something that was 20 years newer than that. You know what I mean? Right. Or, you know. Yeah. Um, but he just doesn't. And uh, I don't know. Like, kind of like you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely <laughs> something I'm striving to be. But it's just that, <laughs> that thing, you know, he... Jamie Johnson has a gift and he uses it, but but he's a lot more than that, um, right? So I don't know. I, I got I get a lot from from him. I like a lot of the older guys, but he's been my most. Uh, he's probably the most modern. Uh, that would be like a modern day hero of mine. Now, granted, Tyler Childers, mm-hmm. Sturgill Simpson, right? Mm-hmm. Coulter Wall. I love all yeah. of those guys. Um, yeah. Uh, Charlie Crockett, Vincent Neal Emerson. There's all these. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely into that scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, I was, you know, when Jamie Johnson was was really getting it, I was probably, you know, between 14 and 18. And that's yeah. like when I was really getting into that. You know, you started understanding yeah. the music a little bit. Important years there. Yes. Yeah, yeah yes. I was uh, I was completely enamored with the Avid Brothers at that period. That was like when I like latched on to like my, my teenage band. That, yeah. was, that was it for me. That, that That's a good one. That's a good one for a teenage van. Oh yeah, a lot of lot of emotion there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's funny. Like I, Will and I have talked about this a lot, and I mean, you guys are going like, oh yeah, like these are the the formative. You know, this is the formative band of my years, and and obviously your music has reflected that. But honestly, I don't I don't think that I came into at least the 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 groups that I'm playing with now. I didn't I didn't come into the Americana scene, the Americana country scene until I was in college. And that's because of the band that I joined, you know, Strongwater. Like I before that, you know, I had grown up going to New Year's Eve stuff in Harrisonburg and listening to um, you know, uh steel guitar, you know, kind of music. Um there's a, a bluegrass band um uh that would come and play uh, almost, almost every single year, um, and their name is escaping me right now. But um, actually, Strongwater uh, opened for them uh, one New Year's Eve a couple years ago. And um, but again, like I, I didn't come into that stuff until I was in college. So before that, I was into, um, you know, I, I grew up in the Christian contemporary music scene um, and really didn't get into, I guess, quote unquote, mainstream music until I was in high school. Um, so my first love there was heavy metal, actually. Yeah, yeah. natural <laughs> Surprisingly transition. Surprisingly enough. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I don't I don't play heavy metal music. I wouldn't say it's a major influence on my life or anything like that. So it's really interesting, just like hearing how like 
your influence, like the music that you listen to in those formative years, 14 to 18, um, have, have really influenced where you guys are at now as artists. Yeah. When I'll say too, and this wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a deep dive, but some of the other guys that I got influence on just because, um, I liked one of their songs or so. And that kind of led me to more was, uh, Otis Redding. I used to listen to sitting on the dock yeah. of the bay constantly, um, Bill Withers, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I listen to Ain't No Sunshine. And then as I've gotten yep. into music, I kind of dig into that a little deeper. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, obviously Ray Charles and those kind of guys. But those are like uh, under my, you know, those are those are definitely influences as well. Because um, right. I didn't even realize how deep their catalogs were until mm-hmm. I, you know, got into like, oh, wait, wait, that's, you know. And Otis Redden had written some songs that that I had no idea that he had written. and mm-hmm. um, But it hasn't been, like, here lately, um, so Lauren got me Red-Headed Stranger, the the um, vinyl Red-Headed Stranger for my birthday. So I've been awesome. listening to that. And I've always liked Willie Nelson, um, but it never just hit with me like Hank Williams Jr. did. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was just that was more of my style of what I enjoyed. But I've been listening to Red-Headed Stranger constantly. Um so anyway, it's neat to kind of take these trips around. And also, uh, like when I go out and play my set list um, on a three-hour show, I, you know, the newest song I play would probably be Wagon Wheel. And I know there's, <laughs> a, I know there's a stigma with yep. playing that live, but it's the first song I learned how to play there's, on guitar, so I play no it every stigma. time. But, there's no stigma at all. But I mix it now. I do a medley with... Um, uh, I play... Wagon Wheel, but I also play it with Knocking on Heaven's Door. Nice. With ah, uh, also yeah. with Leonard, Leonard Skinner. Uh, uh, all I can do is write it in a song. I Dude. play all three of those together because it's a very That's similar amazing. progression. You could uh, you oh. could throw in I'm Yours by Jason Mraz because it's also the same progression. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but that's probably the newest song. Everything else, for the most part, like my set list, I play BB King. Um, not nearly as well as he does, oh, but I'll play BB King. Yeah. But um, but most of it's that like '70s mm-hmm. era of music, and then yeah. for every one of those I play, I'll play one of my songs. So I try mm-hmm. and I keep it about half and half. So mm-hmm. speak, speaking of your sets, Cody, are there any songs of yours that you'd consider your own deep cuts that maybe the the fans don't typically call out for? Yeah, yeah, mostly <clears throat> ballad type stuff. Um, the, one of the ones, which is probably the one that I'll that I'll send in to do, is called uh, oh, "Hell, I can't even." It's so deep, I can't even think of the title. <laughs> <of it. laughs> the deepest track. Yeah. Oh, road goes on, um, mm. and it was it was like uh, three or four, my third or fourth song in when I was writing songs, and I was watching Hell on Wheels at the time. Yes, Hell and, on Wheels uh, is amazing. Yes, I and I got this thing with trains anyway. Oh, um, me too, dude. Me too. Where I was born in Alabama was really close to a train track, and it seems like everywhere I've lived has been close enough where the trains come through at night. And there's mm. just something about there's something about it. And I like westerns, oh. and there's always a train in the westerns. Yep. And I've always had this infatuation with like one of these days I'm going to jump on that train. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Road Goes On is is like a railroad, it's a ballad song, it's a railroad killing song. Um, and that's one that, that it's probably one of my favorite songs, and it's something I feel like is well written, but it's not necessarily one I play out because mm-hmm. it's a ballad, and most times right. when I'm playing out like that, nobody wants to hear a ballad. <laughs> 
So it'll make it on an album one of these days. Oh, man, I I can't wait to hear it. I I love hearing that you guys love trains, too, because I think there's something so, like, intrinsically southern and Appalachian about Mm -hmm. loving trains, and and whether Mm -hmm. it's your bedroom window open at night or hiking on the Appalachian Trail and hearing a train, like, there's Mm -hmm. something about it that I've always been drawn to. So, go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, I was I was just gonna say like um, I mean Harrisonburg is there's a you know there's several um, quote unquote turnarounds uh, for for trains and I mean it was you know the railroad ran straight through you know straight through the Shenandoah Valley that I call home and um, you know I I grew up studying the Civil War and and how important train transportation yeah, right. was so I mean you know I fell in love with. I guess trains right then and there just with the Civil War. And then, you know, my family, there's a great, I think it's an AMC or HBO series called uh, Into the West. And um, it it follows this family that basically, you know, moved west and, and all the generations, you know, of this of this lineage. And, uh, you know, there's numerous uh, individuals that, that work on the, the railroad. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just hell on wheels and, and that show. And it's, it's just something like homey almost about hearing a hearing a train whistle um you know and, and a locomotive just chugging along the tracks no it's true so where i was born in alabama is um it, it's pretty rural still it backs up to the talladega national forest and uh it's actually there's my i had an argument with a guy that said there was no mountains in alabama i was like well there are <laughs> but because i was born in about the only place that there are but um there's the train runs through there kind of just just down mm-hmm. from the ridge line of the mountain there and it's it's just such this distinct sound because there's no other there's no other noise out there other than crickets and birds and you know wildlife and then mm. trees shaking in the wind but um you can hear you can hear the train and you're like oh that's the claremont like he's coming past that road that may be three miles down there like you can hear the progression and that's because there's nothing else out there and this right. the way that you can feel the train you know the way it just yeah. it comes through mm-hmm. and you can feel it and there's i don't know just the way that that whistle howls through the mountains you just can't mm. that sound you know it just it's more than a sound it kind of it hits more than just the the sense right. of hearing you know yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah and oh, so i i just i just thought about um i had a i had a memory hit me from um, there's a, a, a train track that goes through West Virginia. It's a scenic route. And, uh, I remember being on it as a kid and, um, it was, you know, I was with a bunch of my extended family on my mom's side and, um, you know, it's, a, it's a specific route and we were, it, it specifically goes past a spot that's known for its bald eagles and, um, just, you know, s- standing there. Um, looking out the window and and seeing these bald eagles flying all over the place, um, and I like I can only imagine what it was like growing up, um, you know, in, in places like you were just describing, um, Cody. That have it, there's nothing but nature and a train. Yeah, well, and I think it kind of brings back that sense too of like uh, you get that feeling of what it may have been like for a kid or anyone a hundred years ago, or, or you know, when a train was coming through. And to them, that was so much more because that's how they got everything. You know what I mean? Right. That meant more than just a train. That meant like maybe flour was coming and they could have biscuits. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was just, it was a lot more than just that. So what's what's also neat is right there, just down the road, uh, Claremont Springs is the 
the area of Alabama right there, and there used to be a motel there, and it was the only stop between Atlanta and Montgomery. So wow. a lot of the presidents and stuff like that stayed in this motel. So it's a really, it's a really like rich history thing. But the hotel has since um, burnt down and all because it was really old, and then it just in the seventies it just you know kind of went to shit essentially, mm-hmm. and then has been uh, bulldozed since then. But it kind of I don't know, just something about hearing it through there, you can kind of imagine what it was like so it's just so nostalgic mm-hmm. yeah for a time a, that i don't even know <laughs> you know no. it takes me back somewhere that i've never even experienced there's right. a there's a romance in them that they're they're just still just a bunch of steel yeah mm-hmm. right, right. Along on wooden planks so uh well cody thank you so much brother it's been great having you um but before we go tell folks where they can find your music and all about the pie bar yeah so um cody bolden.com um, you can find me on Instagram at Cody Bolden. I think Facebook at Cody Bolden Music, uh, Spotify and iTunes. All that is just Cody Bolden. And our pie shop is called Pie Bar, P-I-E-B-A-R. Um, I think it's that on all the platforms. There may be an underscore in there, but you'll see it's a black and white logo. And our website is orderpiebar.com, and we do ship nationwide. Ooh, Hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, sounds great, doesn't Good it? Good to know. <laughs> uh, you want to play one for us? Absolutely. What you guess what? I'm going to play a railroad song called Road Goes On. Sweet. Take it away. Like well, you, my first man at 15 years old. With a quick and steady hand, my trusted 44. Well, he just murdered my friend out on the railroad. And so I dropped him where he stood, burned him up with the coal. It is a road goes on Whether you get off or get on There'll be killing along the way Are you prepared to Drew was big and brown, filled with 
hired on as a railroad man to protect all them train cars. He led me right with him, taught me everything he knew. But he'd always tell me, son, remember this with what you Cities goes on Whether you get off or get on They'll be killing along the way Are you prepared to see his life away And by the time I got to Joe It was all too late So I hunted down that man And I determined his fate You see this